This is Big Podcast. It's Build a Big Podcast, the marketing podcast for podcasters. I'm David Hooper. This is the podcast where we talk about exactly what the title of the podcast is, Building a Big Podcast. This is episode two of a four-part series. This is something that I'm doing with Jay Klaus. He's got a podcast called Creative Elements. He was just recently signed to the HubSpot Podcast Network. That is one of the most common questions that I get. How do I get signed to a network? I interviewed Jay on part one. That is available at podcast.bigpodcast.com. While you are there, subscribe, because this is part two, and there's also part three and four, more with Jay, talking about this step-by-step, how he built a big podcast. Do you do interviews on the podcast that you're building? If so, you want to know about Riverside.fm, the leading platform to record studio-quality remote podcasts and video. When you go back to part one, you listen to me talking to Jay, you're going to think, man, David, you sound like you're in the same room with this guy. Little do you know, I'm in Nashville. He's in Columbus, Ohio. That's the technology that we have available to us now, and you can have that same power, easily have a remote recording by simply sending somebody a web link that opens up in Chrome. That's why 70,000 people use Riverside.fm. It records locally on each participant's computer, uploads it to the cloud, that allows you to get the highest possible sound quality without worrying about the speed of your internet connection. I've got a trial for you. It is free. It's going to let you get under the hood of Riverside for two hours. It's enough to try an interview, maybe two interviews to see how you like it. It's at Riverside.fm. It's a free trial. If you want to keep going with it, and I think you will, Here's the code to get 15% off the already low price. Big Podcast, B-I-G-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. That's the code. URL, riverside.fm. The code, Big Podcast, 15% off, B-I-G-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. On the last episode, I talked about the foundation that Jay brought to the table, which enabled his podcast, Creative Elements, to get signed to the HubSpot Podcast Network. I wanted to start with his foundation and get that backstory because I don't think it's helpful to you to have somebody come in and say, this is how it happened. I started a podcast. Now I have a million downloads on it or whatever success looks like. This is how it happened. I started a podcast and then I made a million dollars or this is how it happened. I started a podcast and now I've got a national syndication deal. You hear stories like that, but that really doesn't talk about the prep, the planning, the foundation that you have to have in place in order to make that happen. And one of the things that Jay talked about was getting buy-in from these guys early on. He was initially turned down, said, "Eh, you know, I'm not really interested in what you've already got going on because we can't build it with you. Come back when you've got another idea. We want to build that with you because it's easier for us to launch something from the beginning, hype it up from day one, rather than come in and say, Oh yeah, that thing that you saw six months ago that you're not interested in anymore, well, now it's time for you to become interested in it. This is something I saw all the time when I was working in the music industry. We have an issue with a band that might've had a regional hit back in the day. And this is not that long ago. (laughs) This is back before we had satellite radio and all these national networks. Hits would break out regionally. And if you had a band that say they're touring in the Southeast They're popular in Southeast. You go outside of that area. Maybe they're not as well-known. And you'd often see that because they're touring, that they would have a radio hit that broke in, let's say, five or six state area, the areas that they were touring in. It would get radio airplay. People were hyped up about it. But the issue we would face, let's say MTV comes calling. MTV is all of a sudden interested. A national show, a national network is all of a sudden interested. 
Well, in that case, we've got an issue because we've got stations throughout the country. The song is new to them. They've got it on high rotation, but that initial area that you were in, the Southeast, for example, it's old news to them. They broke it six months ago. So can you go back to them and say, uh, you know, that song you've been playing for six months, could you play it for, you know, another few weeks while we break this national record? They're not necessarily going to do that. Sometimes you're going to find that with a national network or a big podcast network or whatever the next level is for you, not releasing something independently, actually having success with that kind of system, it's better for you not to have had a little bit of success beforehand because by that time, it's old news. People have heard about it. It's better to have something new. That's what I'm saying here. Anyway, there are a lot of little things like that that Jay said, and I want to explain those a little bit more and maybe from a different perspective not only from the perspective that I've got from breaking music and movies and other things that I've been involved with as far as the entertainment industry, also from the background that I've had of launching podcasts and radio shows. Because a lot of things that he did when he launched Creative Elements, I did the same thing for Music Business Radio. If you're not familiar with Music Business Radio, that is the syndicated show that actually got me into podcasting. I was doing radio. I started the show in 2005. We saw people at that time doing podcasts. I thought, well, maybe we'll release it as a podcast. Anyway, quick and dirty story on this is that we had so much luck with the podcast, we ended up not even worrying about radio after a while. We went in one direction, then we went in another because the world is changing. But regardless, some of the things that I did to set this thing up, get it working within that system, which is very similar to the system of a podcast network, such as HubSpot, the one that Jay's on. There's so many parallels. You may know this, Podcast One, you've probably heard of that network. Podcast One was built from Westwood One, the same founder, Norm Paddits. Almost everything that we're doing in podcasting, it is coming from radio. It is certainly coming from the tried and true techniques that we have used to break different kinds of entertainment media, movies, television, books. It's all based on that. Podcasting, when it came along in 2005, we weren't reinventing the wheel. We were using systems that we already had in place from decades earlier. Some of the technology has changed. I talked about Riverside and the ability for us to do interviews. That's changed, but the techniques that we use on Riverside, they're the same techniques that we used to use in person or via ISDN. So I'm going to dive a little bit deeper into this, going into the background things that Jay talked about, bringing creative elements to market, getting it to the HubSpot podcast network, the things that I've seen and what you can do for your podcast. So let's get into that. Let's talk about his background. Jay was pitching and involved with pitching because of his work in the startup space. I thought that was really interesting. I too have been involved in that area. I went in as a mentor for an accelerator. You might've heard of Techstars. There's a Techstars affiliated accelerator that is here in Nashville called Jumpstart Foundry. They brought me in for a couple of years. I was working with those guys and all they do is pitch. All they do, because somebody comes into these things with an idea, the accelerator may give them a little bit of money. Somebody's given them a little bit of money and then they're trying to get more money. That's why they call it an accelerator. They're trying to go faster and further than somebody who's bootstrapping would be able to. How do you do that? You do that with money. You do that with getting resources, people involved. So if you're not aware of this world, there may be some things that you can learn from how these guys pitch. Watch the pitches. See what these guys are doing to get rounds of funding. Some of them, I'll be honest with you, are better at pitching themselves and the idea and getting that money than they are actually running a business. There's some guys that I've met through this world Hadn't really had a success other than collecting other people's money and spending it. <laughs> but they're good at that. And if you want to be good at it, you need to look at these guys and see what they're doing. He talked about the startup weekend. I've also done one of those things. Again, another weird parallel. 
You go in on a Friday evening and more or less these guys are working, I want to say it was 48 straight hours. You go in there, you work on the ideas, you get put into teams and you go, 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 go. And you're taking shifts. Some people are sleeping. Some people are not. You put one guy on one thing. You're working on something different. The third guy's working on something else. You come back maybe the next afternoon, talk about what you've done. Anyway, part of it is getting the idea together. The next part is getting other people involved. And that's where I'm going with this. If you are looking to get on a network, part of this is you getting other people involved. Whether it's like me, somebody from a broadcasting company, jocks at a radio station, program manager, guys like that, or like Jay, somebody who's doing new media. One of the things that Jay mentioned, and we didn't really go deep into this, but I want you to keep this in mind. Let's say you're going to somebody like the HubSpot Network. They've got a podcasting division. Good. You get in the podcasting division. Then what? Well, they've got a newsletter. They've got online properties. You want those guys, the newsletter and the online properties, to promote your podcast. They're all connected. What can you do to win them over? The network guys, that's just the beginning. You can sell one guy in one room, but what happens when he walks out of that room? He's got to get the other people who he's involved with excited about you, and then they've got to go out and get the other parts of the company also excited about you. That's exactly what I had to do too. I knew one jock. She got me the meeting. She was excited about the idea. She got me with the program director. She got me with the head engineer. Then they had to go out. We had to work one by one by one to the different people at the radio station, the sales guys, the jocks, the guys who are going to be promoting the show during the week, the syndication guys. Then we had to get the other stations involved, their program directors, their jocks. We had to do it all over again. And that's not even talking about the listeners, the people that you want to listen to your podcast. You get to a point with these things, and this is where Jay is now, where you've built so much momentum everybody's talking about your stuff. At that point, it's easy. But how do you build up this momentum? That's why I wanted to go into this with him. And one of the things that he did, it was going to somebody with the full idea. He said, this is my idea for the show. He's got the voiceovers. He's got the music. He's got the whole thing outlined. Sometimes you will call this a treatment. Maybe you call it a pilot. That's what Jay did. He put together the entire show and he said, this is what I want to do. 20, 30 years ago, maybe... Maybe you could go to a broadcasting company or a network and you could say, I've got an idea. You've got a PowerPoint, some slides, something like that, and you can pitch them on the idea. How much better is it though for you to actually give them the idea as a completed thing? Give them the idea where they are basically able to hold it in their hand or hear it as you hear it. When Jay said this, I was really surprised. Because I also did this to go to broadcast radio. Hired the voiceover guys. Hired jingle guys. I knew the sound that I wanted. I knew who I was pitching. I was going to an old school radio DJ that I had grown up listening to. I knew when he was on radio, when radio was big, to turn it up and rip the knob off. I knew this kind of guy. I knew the kind of stuff that he had been involved with. So what did I do? Hired some jingle singers. Pretty easy to do because I'm in Nashville. This town is full of jingle singers. But these days... Much like you get in on Riverside and being able to do a remote interview, you can also easily hire somebody online to do your music production. There's a bajillion guys on Fiverr, mostly kind of the R&B, rap, urban kind of music guys. Those guys are happy to produce something for you, 50, 60 bucks. I mean, really, they're working for cheap. They're just excited to be doing it. It's a side hustle for them. And they've got idea after idea after idea. And if you go to them, say, hey, I've got a podcast. Here's the name. I need a radio jingle. They will do it. And it's literally that cheap. It is a foot in the door. Is it perfect? No. Is it a foot in the door? Yeah. It's going to show somebody who's listening to you, the attitude, the feeling, 
what you are bringing to the table in a way that you cannot do if you're just going in there with a PowerPoint presentation. And beyond that, this is what Jay did. He put the whole show together. Super easy for you to do. Let's look at what that would involve. I know this is sounding like a pitch for Riverside. Yeah, they're a sponsor, but I'm telling you, two hours for you to do an interview. If you're going to do an interview podcast that you're pitching, a couple of hours is enough for you to get the tape that you need. That is free for the first two hours. So that's not going to cost you a thing. A basic USB microphone, something like the ATR2100, the Samsung QTU, 60 bucks on Amazon. Audacity is open source. It's free. You record all your voiceovers, edit on that. And that music, if you want to get into some production, if you want to go custom, I don't know, let's say 50 or 60 bucks on Fiverr. Maybe you've got a friend who's a musician. Maybe you're really creative. Go to the YouTube free music library. They will give you music for your productions, whether it's on YouTube or whether it's an audio production like a podcast. And you can find plenty of stuff that's going to let you put together a rough track of what it is that you want to do. Is it perfect? No. That's why you got Audacity, multi-track it, change the music in and out, see what you like, see what other people like. Does this sound like what I'm going for? Does it sound like I have authority? Put it together, Alphonic.com. They've got a free option available for you. They'll give you a couple hours to play around with it. Upload it, master it, boom. You are done with a pilot episode. Is it that easy? Yeah, it's easy to put together. What you want to think about is the content. And this is one of the things that I thought was interesting with Jay and I want to focus on just a bit now. Podcast mentorship. How do you know something is good? Sometimes you're too close to the idea. Jay talked about being Mark Marin. <laughs> At the beginning of his initial podcast, he was going to get in there and riff. Then he was going to go into an interview. His mentor, the guy at the podglomerate, he's, eh, you know, you might want to think about that. You might want to think about doing something else. Script it. It's going to work better for you. They came up with a format together. That's the importance of mentorship. We don't have that a lot in podcasting. Dave Jackson from School of Podcasting, he is doing this. Neil Headley, if you know him, Voice in My Head, Nop Studios, old school radio guy doing it a lot longer than me. He could give you some advice on this. There are people that you can hire that will give you feedback, honest feedback, and say, this needs help. This is okay. This is excellent. And I say honest feedback. I don't think it's necessarily something that you have to pay for, but you do have to find somebody that you trust. I see a lot of people, maybe on Reddit or Facebook, they'll post something and say, hey man, give me feedback. And nobody's going to give you honest feedback like that. This is the reason. Most people who go on Reddit or Facebook, they don't want honest feedback. What they want is for you to say, it's perfect. I wouldn't change a thing. You're ready for the big time. And when somebody giving feedback doesn't say that, they might say, you could do this better. This needs work. I cut out this part. You see the person who posted that podcast get defensive. And that's happened enough where most people on Reddit Facebook, they don't bother to give feedback, not the qualified people, because we get into arguments with those people. Well, what do you mean you don't like it? It was perfect. Uh, don't ask for feedback if you're not ready for all feedback. It's not just going to be good. And what's your time worth? Honestly, look at some of those guys I mentioned, Dave Jackson School of Podcasting, Neil Headley, Knopp Studios, K-N-O-P-P Studios. Those guys will give you good feedback. Is it going to be perfect? No. Would they have differing opinions if you went to either of them? Yeah. That's where it gets confusing. So you do need to know what it is that you want. And that comes from just time behind the mic. The interesting thing about Jay's story is Upside, a podcast where he did 200 something episodes before he eventually moved on to his current podcast, Creative Elements. 
That got him in the game. That got him behind the mic. If you're not doing what I call a sausage factory podcast, if you've listened to this podcast before, you've heard me talk about this, but it's so important. Give me 30 seconds. I want to explain it one more time. If you are not doing this, you're doing yourself a real disservice because that time behind the mic that it takes for you to do a sausage factory podcast, which is reading every day, improvising, you do it based on bullet points or I can give you a topic. You can go, 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 go. Also thinking on your feet. I like to add that. Just asking myself random questions, go to a random question generator, read it, instantly respond to it. That's thinking on your feet and also improvising. Working on those three skills. If you're not doing those things every day, you are missing a valuable opportunity to build up your hosting muscles. This is the kind of thing that's going to make you a better host. And when you've got an opportunity where somebody wants to talk to you about doing a network deal, you are ready for that. If you are not editing yourself on your podcast, you are missing a valuable opportunity to really listen clearly about what you are doing well and what you are not doing well. Let me tell you a story about that. This podcast, I just said the word right there. (laughs) This podcast, big podcast, build a big podcast. I have a hard time saying the word podcast. Sometimes that S doesn't happen. I thought it was a de-esser. I thought my settings were wrong. De-esser, if you don't know, that takes away the S, the sibilance of your voice. And I kept hearing myself, build a big podcast. What? There's no S in that. It was me, man. I'm saying it so often. Sometimes your tongue gets a little bit lazy. Big podcast. I've got to really think about it. Open my mouth. Enunciate. That's the kind of thing that you learn listening to yourself. The things that I've learned listening to myself and having feedback from guys like Neil Headley or Dave Jackson. I was shouting, talking too loud, blowing out the meters. And then at the end of a sentence, I was fading off, fading away. Start strong, fade away. Every sentence. That's the kind of thing that you learn. You're not going to learn that without good feedback from a qualified person or feedback from yourself simply listening, going in there every time thinking, what can I do to make this better? That podcast thing, it's been in the last three months. When did I start on radio? 1991. When did I start podcasting? 2005. Always learning. That comes from time behind the mic and that comes from time editing yourself. I want to finish this off talking about an interesting story regarding feedback. This is in my book, Big Podcast. (laughs) There's an S in there, you know. The book, Big Podcast. If you don't know that, bigpodcast.com dot com slash book that has more information on this. But it's about Rush Limbaugh. And say what you will about Rush Limbaugh. I wasn't a fan of the man as a person or his politics. But I do recognize that he was a great host. Three or four hours a day, on the air, no interviews, limited callers. There was a time before he got his cochlear implant. Rush Limbaugh was going deaf. He was doing a live radio show every day. Couldn't even hear himself. I mean, maybe a little bit through bone conduction. But it was a totally different thing. He was going off muscle memory. Here's what I think that I'm saying based on the time behind the mic that I have had. The highest paid broadcaster in history. But Rush Limbaugh started in the 70s. You know what? I've got it right here. I'm going to play you an air check from Rush Limbaugh. Check this out. Margaret to Messina with a song and the answer to the musical question, whatever 
what happened to Fibber McGee. Well, I congratulate our name it and claim it winner, Jeff Rodman of Eastmont. Uh, Jeff wins copy going up the country, but it can't heat in 1968 or 69. Take your pick. And also, Jeff, I will send you two six-packs of carefree sugarless gum. You can chew it all day. And that'll entitle you to 12 more entries for you in the Carefree Rock Concert Contest. Contest. That's a tongue twister. Keep listening to the Jeff Christie Star Disc Jockey Show for complete details about this contest. Well, we've had two cash call winners today, folks. A grand total of $624 and, and 28 cents to give it away. Perry Marshall gave away $375.14 this afternoon to Mrs. John Vuksik of Pittsburgh. And I had my first cash call winner of all time tonight. Mr. Frank Rope of Bloomfield claimed $249.14. It's a hefty amount of money all day, six twenty-four twenty-eight. New jackpot for tomorrow is $240.14. And 14 cents. Got it down so you can remember it. Bob DeCarlo makes the next call tomorrow morning. $240 and 14 cents. That's Rush Limbaugh in the 1970s. Chris Christie is the name that he went by. And he got fired from radio again and again and again when to become a statistician in baseball. But there was something about it. He wanted to get back into radio, came back with a new attitude, not doing music, not giving away packs of carefree sugarless gum but finding talk radio, finding his place, making it work for him. And I don't think that that would have ever happened or certainly wouldn't have happened as quickly as it did. And he wouldn't have gotten as big as he did had he not listened to feedback. Or if everybody had said, oh no, Rush, man, you sound great. You did a great job with them tongue twisters giving that money away. Man, keep it up. You're doing great. Wouldn't have happened like that. That's the value of honest feedback. It's going to make you better. Does it hurt? Yeah, it hurts. Hell yeah. You're putting your time and your heart and your soul into this stuff. You're talking into that mic, hoping it gets out there and connects with somebody. And you're giving it everything you've got. That person listening probably doesn't know how much work you put into it. And this thing that we're talking about right now, going to a network, even more work than most independent podcasters have ever done on their podcasts. Because it's not just for you. It's not just for the listeners. You're trying to win those network guys over. And then, as I mentioned, they've got to go outside their door, win everybody else over. That's the pre-work. That's what Jay was bringing to the table, all those VC pitches that he was working on. There's no doubt that that helped his pitch when he was pitching himself to these networks. There's no doubt that getting those pitches down to three to five minutes or whatever his limitation was helped him to think about editing his podcast, only focusing on the meat making episodes that were interesting, that people wanted to listen to, that people wanted to share, that people were excited about when he had another episode. He talked about the reverse triangle, by the way. Let me talk about this. This is a journalism thing, if you don't know about this. Basically what that is, is you're leading with the most important stuff. Then the second most important stuff, the third most important stuff, and then the little bitty details. Stuff that maybe people aren't going to care about. And that's what he was talking about when he was talking about editing. You do a thousand word article, you got the most important stuff packed in the front, you need to chop off those last 200 words. It makes for an easy edit. So maybe something for you to think about when you're doing your podcast. Lead with what is most important. And I haven't looked at your stats, but I'm willing to bet money on this. That you can look at your podcast stats, an episode by episode, minute by minute statistic, and find out that people are dropping off after five minutes or dropping off after 10 minutes. That you're going to have fewer people at the end than you did in the middle and fewer people in the middle than you did at the beginning. That is the way that podcasts work. It's not like broadcast radio where you're tuning into something that's already in progress. Because of that, what you are trying to do on your podcast 
is just like an article, put the most important information in the front and make it interesting enough to where that second most important information is worth sticking around for and make that interesting enough where they keep going and going and going and going and continuing the cycle till they get to the end. So how does it pay off? Here's what's going to happen if you do all this. If you show up, get behind the mic, listen to yourself, prep, work on the secondary skills, maybe the pitching, the organization, those kind of things, not just the podcasting skills, certainly not just the tech, you're going to gain momentum. One of the things that Jay did that he's got going for him, and we're talking about this on the next episode, is he had momentum with creative elements, which enabled him to get a better deal with the network than he would have had he been starting from scratch. To wrap this up in a nice bow, the foundation, what you need to build upon to have a big podcast. That's what we covered in the last episode. That gives you something to build upon. No podcast is perfect out of the gate, but there are some things that you can put into place. If you know yourself as a host, if you know your strengths as a host, if you know your weaknesses as a host, the things that need to be edited out, you're going to be much better than going in and not knowing that. If you've got a vibe, if you've got a feeling or an attitude that you want to come across in your show, that's going to help you from the beginning because then you can build stuff around that feeling and foundation, which is basically just you building it around your personality. You're going to have much more success if you know that going in. If you know you want to be a little bit witty or snarky or funny or serious, it does not make sense for you to have an intro with one of the big radio guys, the rip the knob off types. If at the end of that, the music cuts out, you come on as the host and you're meek and you're playing small, or you want to talk about feelings or something, that kind of guy, not talking about feelings. If you want to talk about feelings, I'm not saying that's bad, but we're just going to use different music, a different introduction. We're probably going to call your podcast something different, something a little more touchy-feely to let people know what it is that they get when they listen to you. Those are the kind of things that you want worked out. If you've got that, and again, you're not going to get them right, but you're going to have a basic idea of where you're going. And if you can get them tweaked, that's when other people want to come in and join you. The great quote by Chris Rock, he talks about pushing this car. So when I was on the side of the road, nobody wanted to help me until I started pushing my car. Then people joined in. Then they stopped alongside me, got out of their cars and helped me push mine. So think about that with your podcast. I'm going to be back with part three of this. I'll be talking more with Jay. Jay is back. We're talking more about ads and income strategy because if you want your podcast to be picked up, this is the big one. It's got to pay for itself. It's got to pay for the extra people that you've got on. It's got to pay for people to get involved. It's another thing I learned in the music industry. We used to have a joke. A record that's making money sounds a whole lot better than one that isn't. Podcast is the same way. If your podcast is making money, talk about momentum. People want to get in, man. And it's not that everybody's just greedy and they want to get a piece of that money, but people want to have success. People want to know that you're doing something, but it's up to us to start it. As the host, we're the people who bring the attitude, the energy, the feeling. It is up to us to strike that match and start this thing. But when you get it going, you will find that people will join in with you. Just like your listeners, they have been waiting for you to articulate what they feel they cannot articulate themselves. And when you do that, they join you. Same thing for people who get involved with you on a network. Same thing for advertisers who want to get involved with you. More from Jay Klaus. I'm going to have that. It's part three. If you are not subscribed, this is how to do it. Bigpodcast.com slash subscribe. I've got three options for you. iPhone, Android, an RSS feed. I've got a QR code that you can scan. Hold your phone up to it. 
I don't know how it works, but what I do know is that it makes this podcast available via your phone. You can listen to me and Jay, if you get that next episode, at the gym, in your car, wherever you go. And we will be talking to you about ads and income strategy. This will work for you whether you want a network or not. Might work for you better without a network because nobody's taking a piece of that money. So go to bigpodcast.com slash subscribe. Before you forget, bigpodcast.com slash subscribe. Subscribe now and I will see you on the next episode of Build a Big Podcast.